Sonic State Coming up on Sonic Talk, Moog raised the bar on iPad instruments with the amazing new Animoog synthesizer. Melodyne is now wide open with their door integration API. And Personas take advantage of this with their Studio One Two. Not testing, but ready for release. Lexcon announced their MPX native plugins, and we take a listen to some more excellent entries to the Sonic Talk theme competition. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Please do check out their Pocket Track W24 and C24, some of the smallest stereo 24-bit 96K portable recorders in the world, and by Mac Pro Video, the finest place for training videos on a variety of audio software. Save 20% on all downloads by heading to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV and collecting a coupon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 239, recording live today on Wednesday, the 19th of October, 2011 of your Earth years at 4pm UK time. Uh, If you're watching live, um, welcome to you. Uh, We have a live chat room, which you can join, and a live video stream, which everybody can watch. Uh, It's 4pm UK UK time on a Wednesday, sonicstate.com forward slash live. I think I have the show. Oh, no, that's not it at all. (laughs) I'll get get a URL sorted out. Um, so uh, I want to say uh, hello and welcome to everybody. We've got a, a nice, fulsome chat room once again. Uh, I think people are obviously word spreading, so it's nice to see everybody. We've also got um, Skype has decided to give me a different format today, so some of my video switching might be a little bit out out there um, to a degree because we've got three across the top there, which is fantastic, um, just a little unexpected. <laughs> so if I put myself in here like this, then I'm in the picture too. Um, so, well, we'll start with you over there, Rich Hilton. We've got Rich Hilton from Connecticut, uh, works with Nile Rogers, Nile Rogers Studio Guy, as well as playing in the band Chic. Very accomplished and experienced recording engineer, producer, programmer, player. How are you, Rich? <laughs> Very well. I'm exhausted after that introduction. Though. I'll Thank be working you. on it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, up there in the middle... We have Mr. Gaz Williams uh, from songsurgeon.co.uk. Gaz is a Welsh-based music producer, uh, bass player, recording engineer, all those kind of things. Uh, songsurgeon.co.uk for all your Gaz needs. How are you, Gaz? Yes. Um, and I have a little um, hot tip. Uh, I was doing a studio session on the weekend um, in a really nice studio here in Bristol, Um that belongs to one of the members of Portishead. Oh, right. And uh, there was something in the studio, and I felt like such an idiot that I'd never done this before. I, now, for, the, for, for you guys out there who do lots of recording, you have probably lots and lots of lead issues. I mean, cable issues. They drives me absolutely potty, you know. I just kind of always get them all tangled and just... Uh, and uh, I don't know, I just... Uh, and they they had a solution in the studio, and it was so simple. I thought I'd wanted to share it with everyone. I'm sure oh, do, lots do. of you will know. I'm sure lots of you know this one already. But it's just a hose pipe, a hose pipe reel that you can kind of put a big hose pipe on. You put an XLR on it, wrap it up, connect another XLR onto it, wrap it up, connect another one, and so forth, so forth, so forth, until you've got like I mean, you know, there was about ooh, there must have been about thirty or so XLRs on this one kind of hose pipe reel, and then you know, so you just need one lead pull it off the off the coil, unclip it, and so forth, so forth. And sort of uh, putting all the stuff back on afterwards, just wrap it all up. I mean, it sounds really obvious, but I was like, why have I not thought of this? I've had so much issues with cables, so uh, 
you know top tip uh, yeah you could get Very, a really fancy know. motorized one as well if you really <laughs> really felt up to it yeah but i mean i mean i, I think why i really loved it was you could just pop the b&q buy one of these kind of you know I what would you call it like some sort of cable drum kind of thing you know yeah. just such such a simple 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 technique and it was uh, it was absolutely brilliant so i uh, i thought i'd share that thank you very much gaz very welcome indeed and uh, we now have also mr dave spears who is over there on the right so that means i can shoot shoot this shot here dave spears from g4software.com how are you dave oh you have to move over a bit <laughs> am, I, am i oh yeah look and i'm really blurry yeah i'm yeah backing You're up right. a hard drive I'm restoring a hard drive. Major, well, slightly major catastrophe. On it all started on f- about Friday, really. Anyway, I won't go into that. Let's just try and um, have some fun for an hour. Yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can make this. Uh, I'm just going to try and uh, sort out that problem. I want to do it's that. It's mirror image, isn't it? It is. It's sort of nearly working. Anyway. Uh, well, Dave, thanks for joining us, uh, and I hope your hard drive uh, woes are not too woeful in the near future, and we can uh, enjoy, you You have more time to enjoy the good things in life rather than IT management. And uh, we've also got Mr. PJ Tracy from Minneapolis, studio owner, Emmy-winning composer. How are you, PJ? Very well, thank you. A little chilly this morning. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, tell me in, about it. It's cold in this part of the world. It's very cold in the UK for the first time. I'm, I'm going to Dallas at the end of the week where it's currently 90 degrees, so I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, PJ, for joining us. Let's – oh, PJ, you've got a uh, – your mic position might require a little tweaking. It's got the full the, – it's in the full gust of your outgoing breath there. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to hit the mute button. Sorry about That's that. All right. Well, when you breathe, you have to mute the mic. <laughs> you want to get that? You want to practice that? Okay. Anyway, um, well, let's start off with how could we possibly avoid uh, this particular scenario? I think I'm going to start with this video here, just because it's uh, well, why ever not? Lovely thing. That looks like uh, that's the new Moog Animoog, which is an iPad specific synthesizer. I've got one here uh, on my um, on the IO dock, and I have to say, it really does sound rather marvellous. Um, Amazing. Polyphonic. It's got a kind of polyphonic aftertouch kind of vibe going on, where you slide up the keys, and it really is. I mean, they're, they're trailing it as this sort of, you know, first professional instrument. Oh, look, I think Rich has got some going on there as well. Oh, yeah, there you go, Rich. <laughs> Rich has got something happening there. But it's 99 cents at the moment, uh, and it's going to be 30 bucks. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I mean, because they're giving everybody a month to buy it. Surely everybody's going to buy it. It's going to buy it in the first month. But a very interesting um, thing. I, I'll, let me see if I can find um, some facts and figures about it. Uh, uses something called the anisotropic synth engine, whose uh, with these, the synonym, uh, the acronym is ASE, which is awfully close 
to analog resynthesis engine, which would be kind of bad because that would be it's a little bit more of a of a kind of amusing thing. But that you know, besides to say, and it's got a timber page, polyphonic modulation, polyphonic pitch shifting. In fact, and um, there was quite an interesting video from uh, a chap called. Uh, Gert Bevin, who uh, has attached it to an Eigen Harp Pico to get that sort of polyphonic aftertouch thing. And it just, wow. I, th- I was quite blown wow. away. I was expecting it to be good. Um, is it good or am I just, um, you know, a, a fanboy? Got some th- a thumbs up from Gaz there and a thumbs up from it, Rich. It, yeah, it is fantastic. I've got to say, I know I've been banging on now about iPad, but everyone, <laughs> just go and get one. Sell whatever you have to sell. Sell your body if necessary, but just go and get an iPad and get this app as soon as possible. It really is worth it. I swear to God, it is fantastic. I love it. The uh, The design is so interesting. There is a stack of Tombras that you can, um, that you can uh, load in that are all derived from kind of Moog stuff. And there's like eight of them. It's like an XY pad. And the Tombras kind of stack across the top. Uh, from top down, and you can choose from oh, quite a large list of different tumbras. Yeah, and these tumbras, uh, uh, some of them are kind of um, have different sort of. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they're like made of multi samples or whatever, but if you move across the X plane of the touchpad, then you can kind of um, you can see the tumbras change. In fact, I don't know if you can see it here. Uh, if I move across here, there's an there's an oscilloscope. Yeah, I've, uh, in I've the got background. it up on the screen here. I can show. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And you can make... So there's a path, and you can define this path across these different tombras, and then there's lots and lots of different ways that you can control the, the motion along this path. So the path... Uh, so as you hold a note down, and it's like every voice then moves at a different rate across the path depending on when you pre- pressed it moving across all these different tombras it's a fantastic such an interesting uh, it's such an interesting form of uh, synthesis uh, very rewarding very controllable I, I was scratching my head at first when I first loaded it in thinking what's the, you know I didn't quite understand what it's all about but then when you kind of uh, when you get the when, when you understand it it's like it, it's amazing it's, it seems as though the Moog engineers have just actually really pushed the boat out and thought right okay let's actually not just create like a you know a virtual synth but let's really look at the the iPad's interface and let's see what we can do to really explore this kind of you know this touch surface and uh, and it sounds terrific as well which is obviously <laughs> yeah it, makes re- it, it really actually does I, I don't know uh, Dave Spears you haven't got one have you uh, Rich Hilton you've got an iPad haven't you so uh, have you been in, enjoying it did you download I well yeah yeah for sure I mean yes I was uh, auditioning it earlier um, I haven't spent a lot of time with it and clearly not as much as Gaz I did look look around it quite a bit though and it's a really cool synth app if you ask me and I do like the way it interfaces and right now I prefer the capacitance style AKS kind of keyboards you know because I can do stylophony sweep stuff on it rather than the traditional chromatic keyboard for it but I suppose I'll get into that some at some point when I plug in the old uh the old LPK twenty five. <laughs> yeah, I I plugged in my keyboard and it didn't 
respond to polyphonic to aftertouch. I mean, I haven't got a polyphonic aftertouch on mine. So I think there must be a way of assigning it, um, obviously, in the right way to, to make nice. it do, do the thing it needs to do. See, one of, one of the very clever things you can do is, um, if Rich can hold it to the screen, you can see that the uh, each of the keys has like a kind of, it almost looks like a, uh, almost like a tuning fork on there. And now you can kind of map the poly pressure, as they call it, to a whole bunch of things. Now, one of the most interesting ones I've seen of that is you can have it at the bottom of the key being at the start of the path and at the top of the key being at the end of the path. So each individual note as you play it you can kind of actually smooth the note up and down and it'll actually move the kind of um yeah if i show mine because it's probably a better so you see that it's moving along the modulation path as i'm going up and down the position on the keyboard and this is a very complicated modulation path yeah Wicked. And uh, the path is completely editable, and you can kind of add up to, I think, 14 different lines. So, wow. you know, so you've got your stack of different timbres, and then, you know, so I, I recommend for, for, for new users of it just to, just to have just a single path and just to play with trying, changing the different timbres and just trying, you know, trying it very simply and just sort of kind of building it up from there. But I, just to reiterate again, I'm really sorry to say this, but if you haven't got an iPad, go and get one immediately because this is 99 cents or like 69 pence until the end of October and it justifies the cost of an iPad on its own. Well, I was wondering this because obviously it's 30 bucks, which is, you know, a, a chunk of change. Would I'm wondering, but I'm wondering, I mean, and I haven't had a lot of time to play with it. Do you think it warrants... Even thirty bucks. I mean, do you, would you pay thirty bucks for this app as an instrument? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a simple <laughs> and straightforward answer then. Thank you very much, Dave Spears. I'm, and uh, sorry, I, I, I just if I just come to Dave, what? I mean, you must have been aware of this. I mean, um, it's interesting. They say they've been working on it for like six years. Uh, this this. Uh, anisotropic, which I'm not entirely sure what that means. Synth engine. Do you think they've done a good job? From what I've... I mean, I, I, it's weird. I don't have an iPad. I know that Gaz has got one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I bought it because I just thought, I'll probably end up getting an iPad at some point, and I just thought, oh, I'll get it now. And from what I heard sound-wise, it sounds amazing. It do, I mean, the bottom end is actually, is actually pretty impressive. Because uh, when I, I fired it up here, uh, I'll see if I can find something that's got a bit of... A bit of low to it because it might um, help indicate. Uh, let's have a look. I probably, yeah, you're probably not going to hear that over Skype, but that's got a very satisfying sort of yeah, third yeah, to yeah. it. I mean, you can definitely tell that the weight is there, and so they've done. You know, they must have done a pretty good job. I wonder how. I mean, this is running on a sing on an iPad one, so I'm guessing you know it's obviously fairly efficient code and all of that. I mean, do you think this is? Uh, you know, that every now and then, you know, an iPad app comes along that really sort of seems to define what we're expecting from this kind of thing. And you think this is one of those? I just really like, yeah, I do. I think it's, and I like the idea that it's from Moog. I mean, I, I'm not sure whether this is anything to do with the guy who did the Filtertron, which was obviously just Suto, wasn't it? The guy who was responsible for that. Okay. But what, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the sort of blah uh, baffled me a little bit. I mean, the iPad's not six years old, but they say they've been working on the synth engine 
for six years so they've obviously done some adapting and i wonder what it was for and i have had a conversation with moog music a couple of years ago about things that i can't talk about but um it didn't they didn't appear to be anything around at that moment in time but hey they may not have just they just may not have told me about it but hey you never know but yeah no really from my perspective you know sound wise sound is the most critical thing and also yeah. they seem to have just really married i'm really i'm more fascinated or have been more fascinated by ipad and iphone apps musical apps be, because of the kind of interface you know what we do the interface is almost kind of predefined to a degree yeah. and what we find that for us the hardest thing is to shoehorn what we want to introduce in a modern context within this kind of traditional uh, interface whereas what really um what i love about the whole ipad iphone thing is that actually you can go anywhere you want but it still needs to be musical and needs to draw you in and this and a couple of other things i've seen have kind of got that Some, it is sometimes that's very engineering heavy and it can you know the gooey designers can kind of disappear up their own ass but this doesn't seem to have been the case here but it's i mean and the thing about this is obviously uh there are little kind of um, standards and formats appearing to, to, you know, within the interface. Like this whole idea of the slidey keyboard is is definitely becoming, you know, the second axis. Yeah, which... you, you can't use pressure, but you can use slide. And it, it, it's just, it makes yeah, perfect yeah. sense. So I think we're seeing a lot of that. Um, we should come to PJ, because PJ hasn't had a chance to talk yet. PJ, what, what have you... Uh, is this going to make? Is it? Is this making any difference? Are you starting to think? Oh, now another reason I'm going to need to spend four hundred dollars, or are you still kind of undecided about this sort of thing? Uh, no, I, I simply have been waiting for the next iteration of the iPad because there'd been a lot of rumors that there was going to be a new one out. Um, initially, uh, people were saying before the end of the year, but it looks like probably not till the next their next development cycle in the spring, maybe. Um, but this is fantastic, and from what I see, it looks like it would be worth every penny of $30. I mean, e easily you could spend more than that for something on, on the PC or the Mac that might be comparable from from how it how it looks. What I'm, what I'm curious about is how each of you are actually planning on integrating this thing logistically into your workflow. So if it's if it's a legitimate oh, instrument, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you do, like and you're really really that. excited about it. <laughs> you know, and it's not it's not just that's a, toy. a broader question. <laughs> no, you're yeah, absolutely um, right, PJ. I mean, can, yeah. Can, can I jump in? Can I jump in again? I'm really conscious. I'm going to be sort of rabbiting on like mad here. But um, yesterday I had a great studio session uh, working with this uh, wonderful pianist called Hannah Porter, and we ended up using Animoog in on numerous tracks it only came out yesterday and uh uh and we used it significantly and it was brilliant it was actually brilliant um and it sounds brilliant in the context of the music as well so i mean ah. so there's a real world so i got straight away a real world um use out of it but i just want to just jump back uh on saturday night just gone i performed with a brilliant bristol band called world government um in a venue in in bristol to pack capacity crowd and i played ipad with with the band so i was using the ipad <laughs> on stage uh this is cool. the third time i've done an ipad performance now um so i'm kind of really sort of developing my ipad sort of skills now playing with world government was a real thrill because they're really really top musicians um and chris powell the guy who runs the band he's very particular about the groove you know it's got to be in the pocket it's got to be tight it's got to be you know uh and he was a bit skeptical but um I tell you, there's something 
there is something fantastic. I was actually using, I didn't have Animoog there. I kind of wish I had now, but I mean, I was using some of the other ones, um, Synthex mainly. Um, and just, uh, and this kind of, it's actually, it actually is really cool on stage because you can dance around, you can hold it. I tend to hold it with the screen actually facing the audience. So I'm playing it. So it sort of actually has got a visual appearance as well. I'm not sort of holding it with the with the back to the audience but i've actually got this you know i've holding it and i'm looking down i'm sort of playing it screen and i, I mean the music was so funky i couldn't keep still so i was really boogie <laughs> i was kind of boogie and i was really getting down and playing i mean the whole audience was getting down too it was brilliant and uh you know and i was kind of thinking this is a serious serious musical instrument this is cool it's not just a kind of toy it's not just like a you know, it's not just a flash in the pan thing. It's a serious musical instrument, and it's groovy to, to the max. There. Nice work, Gaz. I have to, that deserves a round of applause, actually, to be at your third gig as an iPad artist. That's fantastic. I think that's that's really um, that that is very cool. The other thing, I'm actually, I did an interview yesterday uh, with Jordan Rudess, who's got a new synth app coming out called uh, Geo Synthesizer, and he was showing me. It's a very, you know, it's, it's a similar kind of vibe to be able to play up the notes and the expressiveness of it. And he he was playing some stuff with that, and you know, obviously, he's like a complete yeah virtuoso, and he was playing incredibly fast and dexterous stuff on this interface that he's designed for Geosynthesizer. I think it's being submitted today or tomorrow to the App Store, so we'll see it soon. And so, you know, this mm. interface is... And, and the other cool thing about that is it will work in this thing called Virtual MIDI, MIDI ports, which you can have within an iPad. So you can be running something like... I don't know if, if, if uh, the Animoog will do it, but you can run both of these apps at the same time and one can control the other via virtual MIDI port. So you could be playing two sounds or use a different interface in the iPad to play another instrument that's also resident in iPad. And I'd never seen that before and that really blew me away. So I think, you know, this is again... and The evolution is starting to happen quite quickly now and I find that that part of it really fascinating. Uh, Korg have got a thing as well called Wist, which is quite interesting. I don't know if we've covered that before. but don't think um, so. Uh, I've got um, Wist allows uh, two separate devices. In in, in my case, uh, an iPad and a, an iPhone, and it's a it's like a wireless uh, synchronization. So uh, I've got I've got on my um, iPhone um, <laughs> uh, I've got like a, the new Korg um, Chaosolator, which just came out two days ago, um, <laughs> and it's super. It's super. It's absolutely super. So super that eBay, here it comes. Um, really? Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then the Wist thing. So I, I've got the like the IMS twenty on the iPad, and then the Chaosolator on here. And you and whichever you click on first to start acts as the slave, uh, acts as the master and slave. So you press start on one, and instantly the other one starts as well, and they completely in sync. Uh, and it's quite cool actually, because it means then. You know, you've got your different devices all kind of locked together and um, good fun. You know, so that's another that's another development. I think that's a fairly okay. recent thing. As well. Okay, fantastic. But once again, may, might I ask, how do you logistically bring that into your workflow, guys? I mean, what are what are you using for audio outputs, MIDI synchronization to your PC or to your Macintosh? If you're if you're going to actually integrate that into a an actual recording session what or are you just exporting audio files from these devices and then using them after the fact how are you how are you doing that i'm i'm very curious about that i'm just i'm just coming out of the headphone output which is ah. uh which 
you know, it's not ideal, but it's still pretty good. And I was kind of thinking about this. I was thinking, well, actually, you know, the, out, the audio output coming out of the headphone still sounds probably better than a lot of kind of analog devices did in the past, you know, in terms of the noise floor. And actually, it's, it's a decent kind of thickness of tone. So shouldn't put people off, I don't think. Uh, yeah, um, they do, the the I, ATDs I, do actually sound quite good, I must say. Or D2As, rather. Yeah, I mean, it does sound good. It does sound good. I mean, I'm sure it could sound better, but it should. It's, it, it doesn't sound... It's not... It shouldn't put you off from doing it. Um, but I have got another way of doing it where I can kind of come out and um, use my TC Helicon Voice Live with the, with the uh, iPad camera connection kit, which I have to say, you can get one off eBay for five quid, and, and it just works just as well as the Apple 25 quid one. Um, and Right, so you come out that way. I think, I mean, yeah. as far as I can tell, I mean, really, most of this works in the domain of real-time performance, really. So you're kind of... Right. Rather than, the, you know, right. sequencing it up and having it running as a module, PJ, I would guess. I know, uh, Rich, you sounded like you want to jump in there anyway, so please do. Well, I think the Apple devices, during the, the inevitable feature creep that we get from device to device, and so we've now got the new iPhone, which has, you know, the voice recognition stuff and some other new features, but is essentially very much like the old one, a better camera. And in this feature creep, at some point, every single one of these devices will support some form of digital uh, output standard, probably the same out optical output that the laptops now support on that same eighth-inch connector. So there will be a way out that isn't the way out now, but the way out now does sound pretty darn good. And when converted, you know, properly, you know, impedance-wise to a, a good recording environment, I find it completely usable. Do I actually use it that way? No. But I do envision it as a performance device, and I recently saw Fred from the B-52s performing on a Chaos Later in all of its yellow glory on stage. Awesome. And they actually have it on their input list, and I know this because they're playing at the charity gala we're doing next week. Um, and so if one can play a Chaos Later on stage then one can certainly perform on one of these pieces of software on stage on the iPad and use it as an actual performance device. So I think of it more as a violin, so to speak, as a performance device rather than, you know, my JV1080 Roland module that gives me some sort of multi-timbral joy and, you know, sample world. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Um, I hope that's answered your question to a certain degree. Uh, we should probably move on a little bit. I've also got we've also got an ad from our generous sponsors. I'm just going to flip to that now. So uh, take a break, gentlemen. Uh, I will be muting the audio. So I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors, uh, Yamaha UK. Uh, they want to bring your attention to the new pocket track recorders. Uh, we've got the W24 and the C24. The W24 uh, is, in fact, a one of the, the, the both really tiny 24-bit stereo recorders. I mean, they're some, amongst the smallest. The W24 has wireless remote control, which is really handy if you're using it in a gig situation, maybe up on a mic stand up at the back of the room. You can just flip it up and down, and it's going to work nicely without having to climb up a ladder. Uh, there's 24-bit 96K recording, superior battery life for extended recording up to 38 hours of PCM, uh, high capacity storage up with two gig built in and micro SD cards. Uh, the the C24 is possibly the smallest high resolution stereo recorder. It's got a large stereo mic and it's got two great practice aids, tuner and metronome. Uh, it also comes with Cubase AI. Uh, it's got high quality omnidirectional stereo microphone. Uh, let me see what else. Direct USB 2 connections to the computer. 
Uh, peak limiter for Optum Music Recording weighs only two ounces or 57 grams. Very, very tiny. So what we'd like to do is uh, get Yamaha, if you want to go and check one out, maybe take a memory stick along to uh, Yamaha Pulse Store if in the UK. Go to yamahadownload.com or yamahasynth.com and find one near you. Uh, take some memory in, record some stuff, take it home, just check it out, listen to what they sound like. And also, uh, if you're in the US, uh, one of the larger dealers will no doubt be able to help you. And if you do end up buying one, um, tell someone that we sent you because uh, then we'll get some credit somewhere down the line. So once again, we want to say thank you very much to Yamaha UK for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right, guys, uh, switch that back on. Oh, yeah, I, I saw I saw you uh, playing the iPad in the background there. Oh, and here it comes. You just can't let it alone, can you? That's the thing about it. It's actually very, very touchable, which is as you'd expect. But anyway, let's move on to another topic, shall we? Uh, I think it's only fair. Um, let me see. Uh, ah, now this was kind of interesting. Melodyne opening up plugins. Right, I, I've got an intro to play for this. Hello, I'm Stefan Lindlar from Celimony. With ARA, Audio Random Access, we've made it possible for DAWs and plugins to work together in a completely new way. In this film, you'll see the exciting implications that has for the music and workflow. I'm going to fast forward it a bit because they're not that exciting to begin with, um, but they do get quite exciting later on. Responds in if now or later I copy the part in the DAW, the changes made by Melodyne are copied with it. Or if I move parts, Melodyne accompanies the move automatically. I quickly introduce a slight variation. Wow. Then I mute the clip and Melodyne takes note. I can alter the volume of any audio clip. Right, well, we won't have the entire film, but I mean... This isn't per se anything particularly different about Melodyne, but the integration aspect is really quite uh, a different kettle of fish. You saw it there with uh, Personas' new Studio One, which is now Studio One 2, version 2, and it integrates this uh, ARA from Melodyne. And, and the thing is, is uh, it's not, as far as I understand, this integration is not limited to Studio One. It just happens to be the first integration of it. It's like an API. Salimony have created an API that allows you to bring it into your door and edit the audio from within the door in a, in a way that is much more immediate without having to kind of bring it into the Melodyne version then back out again. And that is quite possibly quite a major game changer. I mean, I'm not a big user of the stuff, so but I can see a thumbs up there from Dave Spears and I can see some nodding heads uh, from those who I've got there. So, so tell me, what does this mean to you guys? Will you be uh, awaiting it, or are you going to think maybe I should get Studio One for a bit of uh, action? Rich, would you like okay. to go first? Okay, sure. Um, I thought that the, the harbinger it brings for the greater level of integration between these kinds of plugins and your, in your DAW, it was fantastic. And I look forward to the day that I can drag a Melodyne region around the song and have my Melodyne data just follow me. Yeah. That, and then the uh, dragging of polyphonic audio down to a MIDI track and having it instantaneously that was really sweet, create it? a MIDI track representation of what's in the audio. 
That yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, to that, me. that was something uh, a bit later on in the video that basically just said, "You want a remix?" And there's like, "Here's a here's just a simple guitar line." I said, "Right, copy this. Make me make me a a." Uh, uh, a mini track, and suddenly you're doubling all of these things, and it's just really fast. That was kind of like, wow, that is pretty cool. Very cool indeed. So, I mean, do you use Rich? Do you use it much in your world anyway on a day to day basis? Or what, is it, do you think, Yeah. Oh, there's a shrine somewhere in the corner of my studio. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, this level yes, of integration. I use it a lot. <laughs> Excuse are, me? Is this level of integration going to be. Do you think it's going to be coming to all the doors? I mean, do you think they're going to not going to be able? How are they not going to be able to do it? Well, I don't know. That's what I don't know because I see a degree of optimism in their faces as they express <laughs> to us that it's coming in the future to you. Uh, you know, a dawn near you, and it's a great selling point for PreSonus's dawn. I actually did go look at it, and it looks like a very nice piece of software to me. It looks like it's well thought out. I think it's better on the edit page side than on the mixer side, I will say, graphically, and in terms of the way the workflow goes. Because when you explode a track, it takes up like all of this screen real estate, and it shouldn't be necessary. But it looks like a really nice piece of software. Would I switch my entire world over just because I can integrate Melodyne a little more deeply into my workflow? No. Yeah, but I really look forward to this thing coming out for my DAW of choice and yours. And uh, and if this does help PreSonus to sell people on starting out with this DAW, then I think it's a great thing because it looks like nice work to me. Yeah. Dave, and I, I bet you it integrates with their hardware really well, too. Yeah, I Dave, I saw your thumbs up looming large there um, in, the, in the preamble to that particular piece. I mean, what – this is going to be mind-blowing. I mean, I, I can imagine having the ability to do this in any kind of audio. It's just going to be brilliant, isn't it? Yep, genius, genius, genius. Love this company. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same as Rich. Have a little shrine set up to them. Um, I'd love to see it in Logic. And it's weird, actually, because when Melodyne first came out, or was first announced at NAMM about 100 years ago, they were on this tiny little booth, and all the kind of big players were kind of circling the camp, like the old sort of cowboys going round and round, wondering when to pounce. <laughs> it was quite funny, and... Uh, I think they were pretty overwhelmed with the whole thing. I was totally blown away with it. And I remember saying to them at the time, just, you got a choice, you know, you either do it all yourself or just license it to everybody. But actually, this is the perfect way to go. I mean, I use it so regularly. It's complete. It was made for me. Melodyne was actually made for me by, <laughs> by Carsten the and powers. <laughs> Yeah, under tutelage from God Himself. It's, it's inter it is an interesting uh, aspect. I mean, a bit worth saying. I mean, this only provides the bridge. I mean, for so, for instance, in Studio One, uh, it comes with the essentials. It's not, you know, and I think we were looking at the full Melodyne DNA editor in operation there, not the monophonic stuff. So, but but nonetheless, this level of integration. I mean, everybody's going to be just going. This is fantastic, surely. Yeah. yeah, God, how can they not? Mm. Um, Does I mean, yeah, can I jump in? Yes, um, of course you can. Yeah, I've been a long-time user of Melodyne, and, you know, as I'm sure many of us have, and they're kind of, you know, when you're trying to kind of run two pieces of software and you have to sort of shuttle between two screens, and uh, uh, the way it was for me anyway, uh, Cubase would be the... Uh, I was doing it, using it in Cubase um, uh, for many years, and Cubase would be effectively the timing master, so I would be using like a control surface to be able to sort of move around the timeline when i'll be inside of uh, melodyne but you know 
it gets really frustrating and to have it integrated like that is absolutely brilliant. But I, what, the reason why I, what I wanted to say there was um, Cubase uh, on Cubase 5, I think it was, introduced effectively a uh, fairly similar kind of Melodyne type functionality, certainly uh, the audio being displayed on a uh, on a piano roll. Um, and it's pretty good and it brings some different things to the equation, but it doesn't quite have the same thing that Melodyne's got Um I'm not sure if PJ has been using that side of things in Cubase, um, but it has been. I mean, uh, but but the really good thing with the Cubase thing is because it is integrated at its basic level. In a way, Cubase users have had this essential functionality for a while now, um, albeit not with Melody, but with its own version of it. But. Uh, but me, I'm really excited about it because uh, I generally don't use Melodyne as much as I'd like to. Uh, because of the kerfuffle between, you know, having to sort of, uh, you know, running the two things separately. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I know. Um, get, uh, PJ, how about you? Are you? Is this something that you are likely to want to uh, get stuck into? Yes. Yes, most definitely. Um, I think this is brilliant and uh, cannot wait to see whether or not it actually manifests within uh, within other DAW environments because I think it would be... I think it would be wonderful. Um, as Gaz mentioned, Cubase 5 introduced what they call Vary Audio, which is sort of a slimmed down version, their version of Melodyne. Uh, I personally don't think it does what Melodyne does nearly as well as Melodyne does it, nor does it do it to the level of detail that Melodyne is able to do. Um, however, uh, I find that when I need a quick and dirty kind of Melodyne solution, uh, and I don't need to be painstakingly detailed. I'll reach for Cubase's feature over importing things into Melodyne, um, analyzing things inside of Melodyne because of the hassle that it is to try to integrate Melodyne into the workflow or the extra time that it takes to do that. And this would obviously solve all of all of those problems. Um, and I think I think it's brilliant. And I think also. It's possible that if they do not have any success in convincing other companies to integrate um, this this bridge, this API bridge, um, that it might possibly spur sales of the PreSonus software because I could see if I were using Melodyne on a day-to-day -day basis, if I were doing a lot of editing of vocals, let's say, day-to-day, -day, um, it might be worth the purchase price of that piece of software simply to import you know, a, a large vocal section into the software to have that kind of integration, um, you know, with, with the, with the editor. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's no, it, yeah, the, yeah. the one thing that's very straightforward for a lot of people, I mean, you just bring stems in of your mix and then bring the elements in that you need to, and you can work in different doors. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing it all the time when I'm working with other people and there's, you know, if I've got a hundred track multi-track, they just go, just bounce me all that stuff I don't need. And I'll work on, you know, just the drum parts. So yeah, that workflow, I think that's a very good point. And I, I would be very interested to know, because they say they worked in conjunction with personas on this, whether there's a sort of point at which it only will become available, so after six months, a year, or whatever, whether there is any limitation on that or whether there are going to be other people currently working to integrate this this at the same level. I mean, that would be really... Uh, uh, that's going to be interesting because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be quite a dramatic and dynamic shift in, in just you know the way that all the doors uh, gra gravitate around the same feature set out, essentially. 
Hey, Nick, to speak to PJ's point about people buying it just to host Melodyne instances over, say, sections or whatever, um, Melodyne, the Solomony people have not updated their Melodyne studio program, which I love and use quite often anyway, um, that uses their Melodyne bridge or uh, some version of Rewire or something that does run simultaneously with, say, your DAW Pro Tools logic, what have you, and allow multi-channel uh, editing on a single screen, which is basically right. the advantage you'd be getting by doing this. And seeing as how they don't seem terribly focused on continuing in their multi-track dimension, then I I support PJ's idea a lot because there is going to be that aspect missing. And sometimes it's really cool to have all your background vocals in front of you layered in one screen and be, and be able to do that kind of behavior with it. So uh, yeah, it kind of it may actually replace. Celemony's product, Melodyne oh, I Studio. See. So you're talking about it. just, yeah, oh, well, I'll just yeah. buy Studio One and, and, and instantiate it in that. Yeah, well, and Melodyne Studio they, was. I think you were about to say that Melodyne Studio doesn't support DNA anyway, whereas each instance of this thing would. Ah, that, okay. that, is, that is true. And, all, and also, uh, also the, the deeper functionality of, of, uh, of doing of editing at the sample level and that kind of thing. Studio didn't support that, did it? Uh, you don't see it as sample level editing. You see it as blobs. But yeah, you could you could put your whole say they sold the thing as a complete DAW. All your drums, everything they wanted you to put in there. And they were showing examples of it when it first came out. They were it was pitched as a full service DAW solution. Yes, I do. Which now I, I, seems which now seems to be brought to real fruition here with the integration into this other DAW that also does a whole lot of other stuff, you know, that's pretty cool. So I, I think this is a really nice win-win. It's a win very, win very smart move, actually, if you think about it. It's a, a very, very smart uh, move between um, two companies. Yeah. I, I, wonder, mm -hmm. I wonder whether or not they've just shared the kind of resources of creating the API. Presumably they have, because obviously I don't know, I can't remember the name of the guy who developed Studio One, but he's an ex-Cubase guy, isn't he? So... It's pretty much it sort of makes makes sense that they would be able to communicate and they, and they speak the same language. I mean, these all of these things add up to making this kind of process simpler and easier to achieve. So, Personas must be overjoyed at the prospect of this. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, should draw a lot of attention to their product. Well. <clears throat> Interestingly, which is something else we were talking about, because obviously Studio One, uh, so was that a hmm that you wanted to, to, to come in on, Dave, before I move on? No, 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 just a hmm of agreement. Mm. I'm, I'm going to have to try it, I think, uh, although I've got my hands full with kind of getting my head around Reaper. I don't know if I can cope with another fully functioned set of door commands and trying to figure out how to do that. I'm going to end up with this sort of head full. I've only got so much space for that sort of thing. Um but that's the other uh, big news, which is PreSonus Pre Studio One version two is out. If I switch to the uh, to the my my web, you can see Studio One point two. Uh, they've done a whole load of uh, live um, kind of webcasts of showing off its various features and what have you. Uh, I, unfortunately, I couldn't get any of them to play, and I'm certainly not going to be able to play them while we're streaming. But there's a whole ton of new features. 
which I believe, if I've got them here, we've got obviously integrated pitch correction. We have transient detection, editing, groove extraction, multi-track comping done right, they say. Find it quickly, finally organize your tracks, edit multiple tracks, great plug-in correction, enhanced mastering, Studio One Professional. And you've got this in, there's three flavors, isn't it? They do the... Uh, Studio One Artist for 99 bucks, Studio One Producer for 199 and Studio One Professional for 399 I never really understood this kind of level of pricing. It always confuses me to, to one degree, but I'm sure there is method in that particular uh, setup. So all around, it seems like kind of a, a, some, some, um, a big bit of a purple patch for the Persona Studio One guys. And Rich, you said that you went and had a look at the actual door. I mean, do you think you would be... Would you be comfortable in working, say, as we said, using it as a, as a host for Melodyne, and, and, and then maybe you'd find it uh, crept in a little bit more from your in your everyday workflow, or is that unlikely? No, it's not unlikely. And if I could find a way to timeline sync it to Pro Tools, and I'll bet you I can, I just haven't tried, um, I could see advantages over running it, uh, over running uh, Melodyne Studio nowadays with it. In, a, in other words, seeing is that they don't seem to be that interested in the development of that product. I could see ch trying to move my workflow into this where I get multiple channels of DNA in addition to multiple channels of individual, you know, voice work. Right. And uh, and all the other advantages that their more recent softwares have, have, have brought. And I would have all of that on every single track. Whereas in Melodon Studio, it sort of runs the uh, the previous... The pre-DNA paradigm of what Melodon was on each of the multi-tracks that it imports, and it's a real-time importation issue and everything else. Whereas this thing, yeah, sure, when you first click on it, it does the same analysis that you do, except you just at the end of the real-time process, it just looks at your data. But it still takes a little bit of extra time when it first analyzes the files. Lots of people in the chat room... Um, the, the Rapscallion says he's so deep into Cubase financially and otherwise it would seem like all or nothing until now. That's kind of interesting. I don't know, Gaz, you are, um, you know, you're already into kind of losing a bit of logic using Repo, using Cubase. Is there room in your head for anything else? Well, I did, uh, I very nearly bought Studio One when it first came out because uh, the, um, there's like a kind of, uh, there's two modes of it. There's the kind of regular door type mode. And then there's a thing, I, I can't remember what it's called. It's called the project mode or something. But it's absolutely a superb environment for doing mastering. It's actually the best I've ever seen within the door. It's uh, the way that, you know, it's designed for uh, for that precise purpose. And, you know, um, for CD, CD authoring and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, super, really, really super. And I think what's brilliant about uh, Studio One is the fact that it's, not based on legacy code like uh, Logic and Cubase and these things are. So, you know, they've managed to sort of like do a fresh build, you know, take the best of what they've learned so far. And I think it was like a couple of guys who are Nuendo designers, uh, I think, who originally set it up. Um, I don't know if that could be clarified. But um, it's, oh, yeah, you know, it, and looking at it now, there was a few things that were missing. I mean, there wasn't any folder tracks before, I don't think. And there was a few things which were deal breakers. Um, and looking through the new specs, it looks like they've kind of, uh, they've kind of Tackle. remedied some of that. I mean, when you get used to using folder tracks, for instance, uh, folder tracks with a an overall volume control on everything that's in the folder. That's something that Reaper does. Uh, Cubase doesn't, but Reaper does. You, you get into working that way, and it's very difficult to 
go back to oh, the old it. way. With um, Reaper, is that is that relative to all the channels, or is it is it an absolute to all the channels? If you see what I mean. Uh, you just create a track and just drop every other track into it, and then that volume then that becomes the master volume for everything that's inside it. Oh, that's sweet. That's a not. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. I mean, we're now we, we're getting to this situation again, aren't we? Where, you know, I mean, I'm a Logic user, and now I'm, I'm I've just been working doing some some uh, some serious work in Logic for a while, and I'm just sort of going again. Oh man, this interface really needs. To come yeah, up today. There's so many advances uh, yeah. that have happened recently that yeah. I want yeah. a, I want in my workflow and I'm not prepared to yeah. swap doors just for that, but it's starting to get no. a little bit Yeah. Uh, the main the main thing with Logic I just done this session at the weekend was in Logic and the fact that you just can't go to a individual clip or, you know, audio clip that's on the screen and just grab a volume handle and adjust it, which all the other doors do. And the fact that Logic doesn't do that, that's the for me that's a complete deal breaker of Logic. Um uh and actually, Studio One has got very elegant uh, integration of that, and its automation is very nice. There's a there's a lot going for it. I think it's uh, I think people should definitely give it a good a good you know a good you know download the demo, give it a good test, and uh, yeah, whether it was whether it pull me away from Reaper though, don't know. Mm, difficult to tell. Anyway, at this point, I just want to say thanks uh, again to another one of our sponsors. I'm just about to. Uh, Bring up the screen here. We want to say hello and a thank you to Mac Pro Video. Uh, they represent, well, they've got, I don't know, I mean, there must be hundreds and hundreds of tutorials online uh, for all kinds of software. We've got Ableton Live, audio plugins, Cubase, GarageBand, Spectrasonics, uh, Pro Tools. I mean, Reason, there, there are tons and tons of them. And we have been able to bring you a 20% saving on all downloads. Uh, so if you want to go over there and Download one of these uh, tutorials. We can give you a 20%. You've just got to go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV, and that'll bounce you over there and apply the coupon when you head in. And uh, that means that you can save 20% on any of the downloads. And they've just got a ton of stuff, more stuff, it seems, coming every single day. So we thoroughly recommend that uh, you go ahead and do that, actually. So uh, thanks once again to Mac Pro Video for sponsoring the show. And uh, don't forget, save 20%, sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Right. Um, let me think. I think we've probably got time for one more quickie, um, which is, um, well, I thought Mark was going to be here because he was. Uh, he wanted to talk about the Rings of Uranus, which I thought was uh, an essential part of anyone. Does anyone want to talk about this space, this, the space stuff, or would you rather um, cover uh, the lexicon stuff? Yeah, leave Uranus to Mark. <laughs> hey. All right. Well, let's. Well, uh, Let's just check. I've got that here. So that's basically, uh, this is the news that Lexicon have released a native uh, reverb plugin, the Lexicon MPX. Well, it's coming soon. It's going to be RTAS versus 200 bucks. And it's got, uh, let me see, it's got 100 cra finely crafted reverb presets with seven different Lexicon reverbs uh, and accessible via an easy-to-use on-screen um, interface. Here we go. This is the on-screen interface, the various different bits. I mean, essentially, it looks kind of like a Lexicon MPX product, but uh, in software. I mean, I don't know what the the the, uh, the CPU loaded stuff is. And am I right in thinking this is a first for Lexicon to actually bring it purely into native, or am I wrong? Because I know they license their uh, algorithms to some no. other people. No, Nick, uh, this is the third time ah. they've done this. Actually, they started about a year and a half ago with the. Um, the PCM bundle, which is quite expensive, I think $1,500 in the U.S., 
And then they released the LXP bundle, which is slightly cheaper. It was originally sold about for about $800 in the U.S. and is now down to $399 U.S. dollars. And now they're, they've released this third-tier product. Ah, okay. So having another go because nobody bought all the other stuff. Or maybe they did. But I guess the, M- the MPX range was always sort of lower in their range, wasn't it? It was kind of usually around the three, four, five hundred dollars maybe less yeah yeah i think th- I, it's my surmisation i surmise that the reason why um why lexicon has done this is to sort of tie up all ends of the of the algorithmic native reverb um market in in ter- or to appeal to all ends of it because there are some really pretty good um native alg- algorithmic reverbs out there right now that compete with this with this product at that price point, right. um, they might they might even blow it away. Uh, Redline has a good reverb. Um, Soft Tube has a very good reverb, well regarded. Um, and Two uh, C Audio have the product called Ether, which is um, also right around that price range. Uh, maybe a little more expensive, but uh, probably a lot a lot more programmable than than this product. It probably competes more favorably with the uh, with the upscale Lexicon products, but I think Lexicon are able to draw obviously on their name and their reputation. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. So. It's interesting, uh, and this, this kind of brought a wider question, which was really sort of what what are your go to uh, plugins? Certainly, um, we'll limit it to plugins rather than hardware for ambience. Uh, I mean, one thing I've been using recently is I've been using quite a lot of the Logic's inbuilt. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Space Designer. Space Designer. Which I think is, yeah. is actually really quite impressive and a, a great addition. I just wonder what other people were using generally in, uh, in their mixes. Gaz? 2C Audio Ether. Brilliant. Oh. Algorithmic reverb is it's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant reverb. Um, it's quite juicy on your processor, um, but you can, you, know, you can kind of audition it at a lower quality, and then when you render, you can have it sort of render at full quality. So that helps a little bit circumnavigate some of the juiciness of it. Um, but yeah, that, that gets my thumbs up. That's the smoothest. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit nerdy. It's a, you know, the, 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 front, the first screen on it just gives you so many sort of adjustable parameters. The browser screen is, is kind of better place to start in many ways because it's got like a, a reduced amount of controls, just the necessary ones. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Ether. Excellent. Yeah, very good. And Dave, as you're over there on the other side of the of the screen, uh, what what's your go-to? Uh, yeah, certainly Space Designer. Um, like Rich was saying in the chat room, the UA EMT yeah. 250 stuff. And also, in fact, somebody else said the Isotope one and... Uh, they do a great master in reverb in um, Ozone 4, I think it is. In fact, I know it is, which I like to add a touch to various little bits and pieces. But, yeah, all Excellent. lovely. Excellent. And uh, how about you, Rich? I know you said something in the chat room, but uh, let's, let's, let's hear it. Well, yeah, the uh, UAD versions of the EMT reverbs, the 250 has recently uh, really caught my ear as an algorithm sounding lexicani emte style reverb and then i really uh i've used altiverb for years of course and uh, the ua uh, emt 140 plate simulator is also really good lately i've been enjoying that um 
And that's most of what I use lately. In the past, I've used all kinds of things, Reverb 1 and Waves Renaissance Reverb and all kinds of, you know, going back. As we count back and open older sessions, <laughs> I find all kinds of wacky stuff that I was using at different times. Yeah, I like the UAD stuff. I've been using the 250 and the, there's a 140 as well, isn't there? Is mm-hmm. the 250 yeah. the, the 250 the one that looks like the big sort of Dalek with the red knobs on it? It Is looks it? like you're steering a ship. Yeah, that's the one. That's got some really lovely it's space. It's got the knobs on it. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. Howie in the chat room says, uh, when are we going to see the isotope deconvolution unreverberator? Uh, which I think uh, we, we alluded to a couple of weeks ago, actually. I know that they, have, li- they have listened here, but uh, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll be listening in and be able, to, uh, be able to get to work on that straight away. From what I understand, they can <laughs> knock things out in, uh, in next to no time whatsoever. Um, but, uh, PJ, what's your kind of go-to stuff? Um, my go-to reverb is generally Altiverb. Um, I've also gotten into using the new convolution reverb that comes with Cubase 6 when I want to get into more sound designy stuff. And yeah, those are those tend to be my two go-to reverbs. Um, I don't currently use an algorithmic reverb at all. Right. Okay. So convolution's the way forward for you. Yeah, and if anybody's looking for a, a halfway decent way of Deverberating. Um, SPL has a great plugin called Deverb ah. that um, you know does some kind of transient transient work um, on on the audio signal, and and it does a, a fairly a better than halfway decent job of of uh, drying up certain types of signals. Oh, that's interesting. Thanks for that tip, PJ. Right. Well, I think uh, we're we're probably heading towards the end of the show. I, I know I've got to try and head off. I've got a, a couple of things to fit in uh, before the end of the day. So I want to say thank you very much to all my guests for joining us. Uh, it's been a great pleasure as ever. And uh, I want to say, um, well, first of all, let's uh, well, let's go to uh, PJ because we can see him over there. PJ Tracy from PJTracySound.com. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been uh, a great pleasure as ever. Uh, I hope you have uh, a... a uh, a good and uh, productive week yourself. Thank you so much, and you as well. I really, really appreciate this. Thank you. Okay, no problem. And I will also say goodbye to Dave Spears, g4software.com. Uh, back to your your work on, uh, on, on, on tattered hard drives. I do hope it works out for you, because that, that's a horrible feeling. That I'm sure you got it all backed up, though, right? Yeah, and it's restored as we were talking. Uh, so now I'm just keeping my eye on console just to make sure there are no horrible messages coming up. What sort of messages should one look for, just out of interest? Oh, this was a really scary one. So you run Disk Warrior, but you have console open, and you check the hardware of the, on the drive or on um, Disk Warrior. And if it comes up, and I have the message here saying that, uh, God... But you've got to look in console on this. If it says there are no blocks available or there are blocks that are having difficulty on mm. in console, then it's time to ditch that drive and get another one. Yikes. Yes, Immediately. definitely. That sounds like, uh, yeah, like you want to be doing that. Anyway, well, thank you very much, Dave, for joining us. It's uh, been a pleasure as ever. And also thank you to Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk. Thanks for joining us there as well, Gaz. Um, always a pleasure to have you. Oh, okay. What you got there? You're showing me something. <laughs> uh, just That's the K-Oscillator. I-K-Oscillator. Oh, so, cool. Um, it's not yellow, uh, though. That's no good. <laughs> I suppose it but, could uh, be. Yeah. 
it's uh but yeah it's uh that's that's something that's worth checking out i think it's about 6.99 uk pounds um don't know how serious you could use it but it's definitely a lot of lot of fun will it process an input no ah right okay so it's no. just the just the sound generation aspect of it right okay got you yeah 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 okay yeah. well it's anyway. a bit, bit of a novelty having oh, well, no, fun, a fun novelty but anyway, Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, thank you very much indeed. And finally, last but not least, we're going to say goodbye to Rich Hilton from uh, Hiltonius.com. Thank you very much for joining us, Rich. I switch you Always there. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And, well, no, thank you. And I hope you have a good day. I know you're hard rehearsing for this, uh, this big charity gala, so uh, I'm, I'm sure you've got plenty of stuff on your plate at the moment, so we appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you very much. No, thank you. And don't forget, uh, I don't know if you've been following, but we have an absolute bumper crop of really, 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 really worryingly good entries. We're over 30 entries to the Sonic State theme competition. Uh, if I just go to uh, my website here, there, there are tons of them. I, 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 will, I will play us out with a few, I think, um, just because, I mean, remember, I think I said that today was the, cl- or was it tomorrow was the closing entry? Yeah, tomorrow is going to be the closing the closing time. But, you know, I, I think we can, you know, by the end of tomorrow is okay. So I know there's a couple of people who've been uh, struggling to get it in time. But, boy, are we going to have a tough time choosing a winner, I can tell you. <laughs> We've got some talented listeners out there. So I'm going to play us out with a few of these, and uh, you can enjoy them. And, uh, and maybe it'll help you make up your mind, panel. Actually, this one, I can't believe somebody composed this. <laughs> I can't hear it, Nick. From, 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 Episode, this is number 26 coming up. This might be the really interesting guess. Oh, no, this is...
like this. East West Symphonic Choir in the in full effect there, I think. <laughs> East West <laughs> Reverence. It's like visage. Sonic State Blot Off. Be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> it's a good Halloween one, though. 